my message is very much about it's never, you know, you're never too old and it's never too late. And so the modeling is a nice that supports that message. But what, what has become my job more than the modeling even is as a sort of a pro-aging ambassador, if you like. And to tell women that, that being older is, is a privilege and we're not all lucky enough to get wrinkles and gray hair. Deborah was always into fashion, dressing up, style, and was often assumed to work in the creative industry. Most of her working career was spent behind a desk, working in tech, and modeling had never really crossed her mind. As her hair slowly started to turn silver, she decided to embrace it, and people began to notice. Welcome to The Safe Haven, a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life. As people began noticing Deborah's hair, some friends suggested that she try modeling. One evening, left alone and unsupervised with a laptop and the internet, she sent off some photos to a modeling agency without giving it much thought. Well, a few weeks later, Deborah got a call and her modeling adventure began. Although she would say that this was just about being in the right place at the right time, I would have to say that there isn't anyone more well-suited than Deborah herself with her sunshine personality for this path in pro-aging, connecting with other people, and for sharing perspectives on how growing old is such a privilege. Her perspectives on this are beautiful. To back things up, we begin our conversation with the question, had you always had an interest in modeling? Not at all. I never... It was, it was never anything on my radar. It was never anything that I considered I might do. I had always worked in and around IT departments. So, no. Yeah, modeling. And <laughs> when, when we met, it was at the beginning of 2016. Uh-huh. And you had started to make some shifts in your career to kind of shape into what you really had no idea would become what it is now. But I knew that you'd started making those steps. So what originally got you into trying something more online, looking at fashion, looking at modeling? What was kind of the catalyst into that? I've always loved um, clothes and styling and enjoyed dressing up. And that's always that's always been something that I've really enjoyed doing. People always used to assume I was in the creative industry from the way I dressed, which I never was. I was always behind a computer. Mm-hmm. But when it was when my hair went silver, when 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 my hair turned silver, and I got so much interest for that, and some of my friends started saying to me, "Why don't you try modeling?" Because people were literally stopping me in the street to say, "Oh, I love you, love your hair. Mm-hmm. Can I take your photograph?" Mm-hmm. So one night, left alone, I always tell people you should never leave a granny alone <laughs> at night, unsupervised with an internet connection, because you never know what they'll do. Mm-hmm. So this particular granny sent her photographs off to a modeling agency. And I didn't, I didn't think anything would come of it. I honestly didn't. And, and she tells the story now, Liesl, my agent here in Johannesburg, that she had a bit of a backlog. So she didn't get to me for a couple of weeks. And I thought, oh, I didn't think any more of it. I didn't, it really was just a whim. Um, and then she phoned me and said, have you found an agent? And I said, no, I hadn't sent my photographs anywhere else or done anything else about it. And she asked me to come in and see her. So that was the start of it. And I, and I think because there's been such a, a lovely, this ageless style movement that's really picking up speed now, I think that I was just sort of in the right place at the right time almost. And I started getting quite a lot of work and people were very interested in me and in my silver hair. So that's how it started. It was a little bit unplanned. 
Unplanned, but what a perfect <laughs> thing for you to just run with. And I remember your hair in particular too, because we had had a few conversations about it. I think we had even started talking about how we have this conception that short hair, you have to have like the perfect shaped head to rock short hair. And I remember I've always <laughs> joked my entire life that my head is so small. Like currently my eight-year-old niece and I have the same size head. How bizarre is that? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah. Well, fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I remember starting to talk about that and how I tried to rock short hair uh, earlier in my life. And it never really suited me or my personality, but you and your personality with the hair that you rock and the way that it's kind of buzzed at the sides and longer and super wavy styly on the top, it's a statement. <laughs> It is, and it grew by accident. I don't really even know. People often ask me how how my hairstyle came about, and it wasn't an overnight thing. You know, I didn't go into the hairdresser and come out with this style. I've always had short hair. I've I've had pixie. I'm really my hair's never really been longer than shoulder length, and that was briefly at one stage. Always been a short hair girl. It's interesting that you say it's your, it doesn't suit your personality, and I think I'm a short hair girl. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think it does work like that. Mm-hmm. And then my hair went from a pixie to getting a bit taller and getting a bit taller until now it's kind of like an ice cream cone tall thing. But <laughs> it does, it's become my trademark. I don't know if it'll ever change. I'm not sure. <laughs> Embracing silver hair, had you ever been one to dye your hair? I always dyed my hair. So I, my mum was very silver. Um, I started colouring my hair when I was in my teens, but really just to in, um, lighten it up because I was a blonde child. And then as I got as it darkened, as I got a bit older, I started highlighting it. And I experimented with colours. My hair has been every colour, all sorts of colours. It's been pink and, and burgundy and dark and fair. And, but it was blondy. I highlighted it blonde from, for, you know, the sort of latter part of my life. And then when I realised that, that it was more silver than it was anything else, I um, decided to stop putting the highlights in and let the silver come through. That was around about when I was about 50. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, it's the best thing I've ever done because it would be true to say that it changed my life because it is what made me make the move to try the modeling. If I can just talk about the modeling for a moment, the modeling was really just a sort of a side thing. I, I saw it was going to be a little bit of a side hustle and it could be fun and I could make a little bit of extra money because I still worked for an IT company at that time as a, a technical writer. Mm-hmm. But, but what it's done, the modeling is lovely. I love the modeling. I mean, it's very exciting and it's glamorous and um, I've, the TV adverts are always lovely to do. I've had, I've had some wonderful experiences. Last year I went to I went to Mauritius last year for a modeling for a TV commercial. I mean, a week in Mauritius. How much fun is that? Yeah. <laughs> but what really has been the the lovely thing is that it's not really so much about the modeling. It's about the fact that I've inadvertently inspire older women to make changes in their lives, to try something new, and to embrace their age. Because my message is very much about it's never you know you're never too old and it's never too late. So, and that, and so the modeling is a nice that supports that message. But what what has become my job more than the modeling, even, is as a sort of a pro aging ambassador, if you like, mm-hmm. and to tell women that that being older is is a privilege, and we're not all lucky enough to get wrinkles and gray hair. So, mm-hmm. have these been things that you've had to kind of work through yourself, or have you just embraced it as you've kind of come into that role? on social media and through your company, Deborah Darling? <laughs> um, I, when I was coming up to my 50th birthday, 
I was feeling the pressure of, of getting older, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I often tell this story, but um, a young colleague at work said to me, a throwaway line. I don't think he intended to hurt me. or And he said, you're, you're past your sell-by date. And it, it cut, it hurt because I was coming up to 50. I was feeling that I might be past my sell-by date because that's very much the message from society mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that, that you, you know, you, it's sort of all downhill now. And we joke about it, but the negative narrative is, is everywhere. You know, 50, it's, it's a dreadful thing. So that was in the year leading up to my 50th birthday and I was feeling it. I was feeling that I was old and unattractive and, you know, irrelevant and invisible and all of those things. So it was something that I, but something happened that a couple of things happened that year. But one of the things was my, my much younger sister died. She was only 37 and she died suddenly. And it really does make you think because mm-hmm. she was a young woman. She didn't have wrinkles. She didn't have silver hair. And you start to think that I'm, I, it's a great privilege to be here and, and to be 50 and beyond. Mm-hmm. So it was something I had to work through. I didn't, when I was younger, I, I was dreading it because society teaches us that. You know, my oh, mum, yeah. I get my silver hair from my mum and that's another thing. I love that I've got her silver hair. She died quite young and the fact that I carry her with me in my hair, I, I, I absolutely love that idea. So I've forgotten where I was going with that now. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I think even lacing it back to the fact that you've been able to pull it, that it should be celebrated and that it's a privilege and that you're absolutely right yeah. that not everyone is going to make it to that stage where they can rock gray, white, silver yes. hair, you know, and you're really embracing it. Yes. And and I think my mum had the silver hair and she colored it. I mean, religiously, I remember as a little girl watching her color her hair and, and as the little sparkles came through on her forehead that she would sort of, oh, her, you know, she she couldn't bear it. She couldn't bear for there to be silver showing. So that is a you know you learn very quickly that that message is loud and clear. You, you, my mum never had to say it, but I understood clearly that getting older and having silver hair was dowdy and unattractive mm-hmm. and definitely something to be avoided. Mm-hmm. So you have those. I ha- I had those feelings. I had to to work through them. But I and now I mean I understand now that it's an, a, such a such a privilege. Mm-hmm. Do you use products to keep it that glossy silver look to it? Because I know even for myself, I'm 32. And a couple of years ago, I started to get some gray in my part. But I haven't mm-hmm. ever been like a right to the root, dye my hair, try a bunch of different colors. I've typically been blonde or like a mousy light brown for my entire life. However, mm-hmm. I've started to really try my very best to just embrace the fact that I'm going gray in my part. Mm. And I admit, I've kind of plucked a few out. And, you know, then you hear that wives tale that people say, oh, those two are going to grow back (laughs) in that Mm -hmm. space. What I find is that I would be happy to let myself go gray naturally. But the coarseness of the hair that's actually coming up that is gray It's so Mm. bent and crooked and I don't even know, curly, Mm. wavy something. It just doesn't fit Mm. in. So it literally sticks out on the top of my head. Yeah. I think the difficulty with going silver is when you're at that stage, my daughter's the same. She's got quite a few, but not enough to really show. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the tricky part. It's easier when you've got more somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, What I do with my, what products I use, I use silver shampoo about every third or fourth wash. And the job of, of the silver shampoo is to neutralize any yellow, any brassy tones. 
So I, that's all I do. I just, I use that and it deposits a little bit of, of silver blue color, which picks up the silver mm-hmm. um, and makes it shiny and, and a little bit more silver, but other, no other color or any, or anything else. Mm-hmm. Having made such a mega shift in career or pulling back from the IT side of stuff and, and sitting behind a desk, I know that you still sit behind a desk quite often with your work now. Uh, I do. <laughs> but you've made a mega shift over to have a platform on social media. Can you kind of elaborate on the steps that you've had to take to grow that platform as it stands? Well, it's interesting. You know, I did my first couple of little modeling shoots. And a friend said to me, you need to put your photographs on Instagram. And I didn't know what Instagram was. I said, what is that? Mm-hmm. So I went off and made myself an account. I didn't understand it. I couldn't work out. It didn't make a lot of sense to me at first. But I put a couple of pictures on and I got the hang of it. And I started to get followers. And they started to really come quite sort of fast and furious at one stage. Mm-hmm. So what I've had to do is, is really get my, my head around um, how social media works one of the things that I think really helped me to to grow my following was I started doing little videos in my car. Mm-hmm. And that was at first was absolutely nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. And I at first and the reason I did those was because we started an, an online styling business and I started making the videos to promote that. That didn't mm-hmm. work. That didn't manage to stand up quickly enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but that was how it started. I started the, in the week leading up to us launching, I started making a video every week. So I was under pressure to do that. My goodness. And I, and it was so difficult. I was so nervous and I didn't know what to say. And it was really dreadful. But once I got the hang of that, so that was a big thing was getting better in front of the camera to make videos and mm-hmm. to speak. That was mm-hmm. a, a skill that really has helped me a lot because I think the videos have helped. I, I think it's, been able to to show me and for me to talk to mm-hmm. the people you know my lovely tribe I can talk to them so much better when I speak on video and and also live discussions and so on so that was a big learning curve for me and a, and a, and a fab- fabulous one that I never thought I'd get the hang of now I make them quite easily <laughs> Well, they make me smile every time because of how you start them when you say good morning. And I, <laughs> they make me smile every time because they're so cheery. And the way that you say it every time is, it's like as if it's a recording because it is exactly the same how you say good morning every time. I, I don't even know how that started. It just, I didn't even know I was almost doing it. And then yeah. people started saying, oh, I love your good morning. And I, yeah, it was, a, it was just something that kind of happened. They're so fun. And then I love how so many of them, they're in the car, right? And so you often yes. have, just because it's during the day, you've got great sunnies on or your the cat eye glasses. Mm-hmm. You've got your nice big earrings on, a nice bright top or scarf or something like that. They're just so yeah. you. Yes. I haven't done one for ages because we're in lockdown mm-hmm. and I haven't, I haven't driven my car for three months. So mm-hmm. <laughs> no car videos at the moment. No. You're just going to have to do some of, well, you have been doing your catwalk, which is amazing. I'm loving those. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love that you're still able to just show your personality, even within this lockdown and you're able to bring smiles to so many people. Mm, I hope so. That, that brings joy to my heart to hear you say that. <laughs> What have been some lessons that you've learned kind of in this transition of ending one job and sliding into this new career in fashion modeling and being an influencer? Oh my goodness. It's, I've had to learn a lot of things. I never imagined that I would not work for another company. I've all my life worked 
for, in fact, one company I worked for for 20 odd years. So I've really never imagined that I'd work for myself, if you like. Um, what have I learned? One of the very challenging things is that it's a very time-consuming job mm-hmm. and most of it is not anything that you can get paid for. So that's very challenging. It takes more and more of my time to do. I mean, I think um, it's it's probably not a full a full day job, but I'm certainly five or six hours a day. I'm busy keeping my growing my brand and talking to people and keeping things going, writing articles for people that ask me to do it and so on. And most of those things are not paid for, so it's that's that's quite tricky. It's very very it's a time consuming job. Is it a job? <laughs> I suppose it is a job. I think it is a job. <laughs> of course it is a job. Because you also mm. have challenges that you face directly by being located in South Africa. I mean, with growing your brand and with sponsorships yeah. and even just delivering and receiving mail. Yeah. Yes. I haven't done a lot of uh, sponsored work. Very, very little, actually. And most of my followers are in the States. They're not not here in South Africa. I suppose probably due to the, the absolute volume of people, I imagine. So 25 or 26 or 27% of my tribe are in the United States. And, of course, I'm here in South Africa and we've got challenges getting receiving post here. It's a little bit unreliable. Yeah, so there are, there are some challenges in that I'm not where my people are. Mm-hmm. But I'm working on, on ways to overcome that, hopefully. <laughs> so where is your following? New York. I can't see a city in New York, but I can't see. It's not easy to see the split of all the, you know, to, to split it down into smaller areas. I think the biggest city following is New York mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. States is first and then South Africa, Brazil, England, Australia, quite split, quite all over the world. Spain, Italy. It's, it's interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. When it comes to some things that you're trying to do online as well, what do you see if you were to just go big visions here, big picture, what would some really nice next steps be for you to see within this fashion modeling and the Instagram platform that you've established now? It would be lovely if I could work with one or two big brands. That would be ideal for me, you know, beauty brands or style, you mm-hmm. know, people that would be that would be lovely. Do you see yourself in a mentorship role of any sort? I mean, by the sounds of it, you have so many people in the aging population that reach out to you and just want to talk about embracing age and embracing gray hair and still celebrating natural beauty. Definitely. I think that, that, that most, of my, most of my job, if you want, is that. I spend a lot of time talking to women behind the scenes, you know, that you will never see at the front of the social media platforms. They talk to me, you know, backstage. And yeah, I think it probably is a mentorship role. All sorts of things about hair, about relationships and about the challenges of, of growing older. You know, we, we start to feel desperate about getting older from quite a young age. Women start doing anti-aging treatments from even in their teens. Mm-hmm. So when women are my age, they are often really, really feeling it. And they just need, they do, they need someone to talk to and they need someone to say, it's okay and try this and try that. And have you thought of, have you thought of that? Yeah. So I think it is largely, I think you're right. I hadn't really thought of it in terms of that, but it, it could be seen as that a lot of my time is taken up with that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Have you had some limiting beliefs or narratives that have slowed you down or made you feel small or prevented your growth in your past? 
Oh, I think we've, I think we've got many limits. Absolutely. I think I'm plagued with them in my past and now. Mm -hmm. I think that I find it most of the time, I'm not sure what I'm doing. So I'm not sure Mm -hmm. why people ask me what they should be doing. Um, I think that I can't believe that I'm doing this job. Mm -hmm. I, I, I find it quite difficult to understand why they would pick me for the job but they do, which is great. So, yeah, I think that's a, um, I don't know if we all have them, definitely a a bit of, what's the word, imposter syndrome, because I'm just a granny and I'm not always sure what I should be wearing. But somehow, somehow I've managed to pull a rabbit out of the hat and make it work. And you make it work well. I was just going to ask about your inspiration. (laughs) Where does your inspiration come for fashion and for trying new things or whether it's clothing or even adornments where does that inspiration come from I don't know you know a lot of people we've got I follow the advanced style movement quite actively um in New York I don't know if you know advanced style you're probably Mm -hmm. too young to know so it's a a group of women who Ari Seth Cohen started a a blog um, quite a few years ago and it grew and he made a a movie and he follows older stylish women women much older than me some of them are up into their 90s and even 100 I think Um, and they're fabulously out there and very innovative for me personally my own style I don't know I just sort of have a sense of what I like and what I don't like and I dress quite plainly my clothing is is quite simple but I tend to use one little element of surprise normally Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know just one really amazing pair of earrings or a pair of bright gloves or a vintage stole or something so my style of dressing is quite quite simple actually but I normally as I say put something on that that gives a little bit of edge or an element of surprise you know I love my converse yes (laughs) I tend to wear my converse with almost everything so it could be something very sort of simple black jeans and a black top but when I wear my converse it kind of switches the whole thing up Mm -hmm. and there's something interesting about my converse I must tell you is that I've discovered and I've thought about it recently is that it links me to younger people Mm -hmm. so it's it's almost a conversation starter. I love that you just brought that up because I was just thinking about that I heard a lady in this community say a couple weeks ago that she loves Converse but that they're too young for her that she's too old for them and I thought of you Mm. immediately because I thought "Mm, Mm. nope that's just a limiting belief that you're putting on yourself yeah it's it's interesting when I wear them I think I like to create I love connecting people I think that my job is to connect people Mm -hmm. somehow that's my something that I do and I think that when I wear things that are a little bit unusual because I'm an older woman it can start a conversation and I love that I don't think I planned that but I love that when a young person in their 20s say hey and they might be wearing converse and we might be wearing the same shoes Mm -hmm. and I'm 58 and he's 25 Mm -hmm. and it could be a guy or a girl Mm -hmm. and it's like hey we've got the same shoes on Mm -hmm. so I love that idea creating conversations across the generation gaps Mm -hmm. I love that absolutely These conversations too that you've been having, they are now starting to go global as well. And I know that you have an event coming up soon where you're doing Zoom calls and you're doing Skype chats with people in the States and around the world. Mm. How is that with a time zone? That must be interesting to navigate sometimes. 
<laughs> well, it's okay if it's pre-recorded, but if it's live, it can be a challenge. Next week, I'm doing one at 10, 10 o'clock at night here. So she said, it's okay if I'm in my pajamas, but I won't be. <laughs> no, you'll be, you'll be ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, but um, we normally I had what I was chatting to a lady in Australia in, in Melbourne last week, and we did it. It was my morning and her afternoon. So that no wait, hang on. Yeah, they're ahead of us. Mm-hmm. We work it out. <laughs> yeah, I want to ask about this COVID stuff too, COVID and lockdown, because I know that this has been a huge topic of conversation as of late. What personal practices do you have to maintain as much normalcy as possible throughout this time? Um. Yeah, I've been trying to, so for the first, um, I think, 60-odd days, I was completely alone at home. We weren't even allowed to go out to exercise or to walk or anything. That's been, since we've come down a level, I can go walking every morning, so I've got a little bit more freedom. But I've been very, very strict with myself. I didn't go anywhere. I've been ordering groceries online and so on. So I was at home completely, and well, I live alone, so I'm still at home most of the time on my own. What I'm trying, what I'm trying to do is to keep a little bit of a routine. So I try not to. I try to go to bed at at similar time and get up at a similar time. I think that's that's important. Mm-hmm. Trying to eat well and not do too many silly things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and to keep in touch with my people and to keep my social media going as much as possible with my live Instagram chats and my, as you know my flat walks that I'm doing and and things like that. So that's been my MO to keep me sane. And I'm very busy, so it's I'm not bored, but mm-hmm. it's to keep a bit of a routine. I think mm-hmm. it's to keep a bit of a routine and to try and just appreciate the things around me. You know, I've, I've normally got incense burning or a or a scented candle or something and just to, to keep and to appreciate the, the small beautiful things around me. That's mm-hmm. what I'm that's my MO to keep me sane. I love that. Do you have any other personal practices? Like, do you meditate or do you do yoga? I don't. And I want to meditate, but I've never, I I don't meditate. And I want to, and I should, and I haven't. You, I guess, haven't even been able to be out cycling either then recently. Um, Well, now that, now that we're allowed out in the day, we can. And in fact, I went cycling on Saturday. I went to the shops. It was the second time ever in, well, since the 27th of March that I've been to a shop. Um, And on Saturday, I was really feeling quite down in the dumps. So I jumped on my bicycle and went to the shops to get a couple of things. And it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. That was nice. I bet. I have three kind of safe haven style questions for you. You ready? Mm-hmm. What are you most proud of? Oh, my goodness. What am I most proud of? I'm most proud of my children, mm. my daughter and my grandson. My daughter and my grandson, I'm so proud of them. They are two, obviously, this is my unbiased opinion, two special people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you get to see them often? I guess you can't really, or can't, or I guess now you can kind of slowly start seeing them more often. Uh, I haven't seen them since January. Oh, thank goodness for things though, like FaceTime and Skype nowadays, eh? Yeah. So I spent the modeling season in Cape Town this from October last year. And I was home in January and I saw them in January. And when I came back from Cape Town in March, it was just before lockdown and mm-hmm. I couldn't visit them. So I haven't seen them my my teenage son, who's also my cycling partner sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm. My goodness. What do you want to be known for? I want to be known for inspiring women to embrace their age and to stop feeling bad about themselves getting older. Mm-hmm. 
I want, I've, I've really, I'm very anti, anti-aging. The whole term anti-aging I feel is negative. You know, anti-aging should be reserved, I feel, for things that are really bad, like, I don't know, racism, fungus, mm-hmm. you know, nuclear war. I, mm-hmm. How Anti-aging seems to me to be, because aging is such a beautiful, natural process. Mm-hmm. So I want women to stop thinking about anti-aging. That's what I'd like to be known for. Yeah. And, and, and to inspire them to, to see the, the beauty in themselves and the possibility. That's what I want to, that's what I want to be known for. Yeah, that's a great answer. I still think that even with your process of growing your platform and showing up every day as you do online, I think that this is still going to just continue growing and spreading that message. You're definitely doing all the right things when it comes to that. I hope so. Thank you. (laughs) If you had a message for the world right now, what would it be? It would be to listen, to really listen. Because I think that we tend to listen to answer and not to listen to really hear. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can do that, the world would be a a different place. I agree with you. I really would just like to say to anybody who's perhaps around about my age or older, that it's never too late and you're never too old to try something new and to have an adventure. It's never too late. Mm. That's my message. Thank you so much for today. I want to make sure that I get your socials as well. So where can people find you online? I'm Deborah Darling everywhere. Wherever you go, pretty much, and you and you say Deborah Darling, you should should find me. I'm Deborah Darling on Facebook, Instagram. My website is DebraDarling.com. TikTok. Oh, you're on TikTok too? I'm on TikTok. Oh my goodness. That is one thing I have not done yet. I haven't just, <laughs> I feel like I'm already so busy that if I was to get into TikTok, I would have officially zero free time. I haven't been as active as I, as I would like to be, mm-hmm. but it's been such fun. Mm-hmm. It's such fun. You have to go and have a look. Mm-hmm. My mom keeps sending me links, and I just, I'm like, Mom, I don't have time right now. That's that sounds like my daughter. One of my recent TikToks I did was, and it was true. When I phoned my daughter and said, "Can you help me with something with my TikTok?" and she said, "Mom, I'm too old for TikTok. I don't have TikTok." She's 32. <laughs> Same age as me. <laughs> Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love this. Well, I will have all of the links at the bottom of the podcast so that anyone listening can just kind of scroll down and and click those links and find you easily online. And I appreciate you and your time all the way from South Africa today. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's lovely to chat to you. Deborah, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing with my listeners and I on The Safe Haven. I'm so thrilled that we were able to make today happen. A little backstory for my listeners, Deborah and I met through a mutual friend, Jilly, while I was traveling South Africa in 2016. We went on a few lovely adventures together, and I am so incredibly grateful to remain in contact with my soul sisters over in Johannesburg. Hi, Jilly and Barbara. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with this platform, and I am committed to creating a safe, brave, and inclusive space with intention. If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, Please screenshot the screen while you're listening, send it to your friends, and share it in your Instagram stories. Please be sure to tag us so that we can personally thank you for it. If you're able to write a review or leave a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, even better. 
Also, I promise you, you don't realize how much you need to hear Deborah's good morning until you've heard them. So I encourage you right now to go and check her out. She's just fabulous and has some really exciting things in the works. For more great podcasts, check out FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com and I will talk to you next week.